In this episode of Cutting Through the Noise, we chat with Gwen Landquist, Director of Brand at Clearwater Credit Union. Gwen works out of the Missoula office, but the Clearwater Credit Union is rapidly growing in Montana and beyond. We talk about rebranding, a well-known institution for those that don't know Clearwater Credit Union is formerly Missoula Federal Credit Union. I'm sure some of you still know it as that name. We talk about some of the hurdles, some of the wins, and walk through the timeline of what it takes to go from start to finish through an entire rebrand. An amazing episode with an amazing guest. I'm sure you're going to love it. Enjoy. We are live here with Gwen Landquist, uh, Director of Brand. I, I got that wrong. No, no, that's it. Director that's... of Branding and Communications mm-hmm. at Clearwater Federal Credit Union here in Missoula, Montana. Yeah. But not just here. No. You and guys are all over. And it's Clearwater Federal Credit Union doing business as Clearwater Credit Union because we can actually drop federal. Oh, DBA. Okay. So it's so much easier and faster to say, which is awesome. Yeah. So what, can I call it Clearwater in this yes. interview? Yes. Yeah. People yep. do. They shorten it right up. Yes. Clear, Clearwater or Clearwater Credit Union, we don't use CCU or any of that, but um, mercifully, we don't have to say federal, even though we are still federally chartered. Got it. Okay. Now that that is clear. I know. We, <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes for those interested. Like, here are the <laughs> here's the terms and conditions of when you use the... Ner- um, well, thank you for being here. We're psyched to have you and welcome you into our shop here. Um, to start, I think it'd be kind of cool to hear for our listeners your journey in marketing in general. And you, 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 know, you don't have to start from the very beginning, but how does one become a brand and communication director for just an amazing, an amazing brand and amazing company like, like Clearwater? Ooh. Um, well, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people I work with assume that I graduated with a marketing degree. Yeah. And I didn't. Um, I went to school at the University of Montana, begrudgingly. Um, I hmm. actually didn't want to go to college. I was going to join the Navy. Okay. Um, but I wasn't 18, and I made a deal with my parents to go to school. Um, ironically, I started college with my mom. We even She was still going when I started. Hmm. We took a couple classes together. That was super funny. Um, and awesome. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah no, not was, many people could say they sat in the class with, with their mom. Oh, yeah. No, it was so strange. I didn't know what to call her. I didn't know if she'd get mad if I called her mom. So it's like, <laughs> right. Michelle. Michelle, I mean, mom. I yeah. Mean. Um, so went to college, uh, studied art, had always been an artist. Um, and while I was an undergrad, I got a job for four hours a week uh, to sit down and teach myself how to build websites. Oh, wow. Uh, I'd never surfed the internet before. And this is like, I'm embarrassed to say the year. It's like 97. So designing websites for four hours a week in 97 when things like Squarespace and no. Wix, these are not things that exist. No, no, no. Um, I think at the time we were excited that Dreamweaver had just come out. Yeah, and that's Back. legit programming coding. Yeah, and it was before Adobe bought it. It was uh, its oh. own company called Macromedia. Like, that's how old I am. <laughs> um, but it was so much better than front page and – but. Some of the browsers that are here around today weren't even a, a thing then. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I started getting into it, and it was through web design first. And my student job actually kept me in college. That's a big part of why I stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, ended up working at the student union building at the UM, um, the university center, uh, kind of getting into marketing. It's web sort of, website was sort of my gateway marketing drug, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and from there, got to do some print, got to do a lot more stuff. And what I found is everything I was learning from a traditional art sense mm-hmm. was pretty easy to apply um, to marketing and to advertising and to applied arts and that you know, color theory and like 
how do you feel when you look at it? How do you create flow, whether it's an animated thing or a moving website or a still print image? And yeah. the way people digest and consume information, um, I found that my artistic skills made me pretty well suited um, to bending that to an applied arts realm. So I started yeah. working on campus at the University Center and sort of moved up through that um, and then moved on to other things that yeah. eventually led me to, to Clearwater. Yeah, it can be an ambiguous term for a lot of people, brand, um, mm -hmm. but when you start to describe it and show real-world case studies of how branding impacts purchasing behavior and impacts, like you mentioned, emotion and feeling, um, it can feel a little hand-wavy, but then there's business statistics to back this up. Like Yeti Coolers is always one that I point oh, to. I love them. You know, here's a brand that took the $20 Walmart cooler and made it just a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You own a Yeti cooler, you're an adventurer, you you need to keep ice cold for, you know, 30 days straight and right. like because you you know, you're you're floating the Grand Canyon. How many people are actually needing to keep ice cold for 48 days uh, to be determined, but just that lifestyle that they're selling and that's that's all backed on branding. Yeah. Know? And I, th I think Yeti is doing some fantastic things right now, too. Like, they have a whole film series that they produce, oh, wow. that they put out, that actually has nothing to do with Yeti. I mean, they just tell great stories, uh -huh. you know, about people that, you know, that resonate with the same people that would use their product. But, like, a Yeti item might never find its way into the video. Right. Um, GoPro does, I think, a lot of really interesting things with their marketing, too, and that all of the videos you see are from people actually using the product. Yeah, um, it's not videos of the product itself. Like, right. here's how you go to Wi-Fi mode. It's yeah. just someone on a surfboard. Doing something awesome. Doing an amazing thing. You know, I mean, and even like the little fine, small, you know, at-home moments, I, I think those are the things that sometimes, you know, work more so than, yeah. you know, how do I make this particular product sexy in a video sometimes. Right, right. Just keep it simple. I like that. Sometimes the simplest option is the best option. Mm-hmm. That, that's well, something we live by here. <laughs> and I think that um, you hit on something interesting. I don't think a lot of people understand, like, the term brand. I think a lot of people, we found even internally, they think logo. Right. A brand is so much more than a logo. It's that lifestyle. It's how you feel when you use it. Um, it's, you know, the experience you have with the customer service. Mm -hmm. You know, it, all those little components, you know, what your website looks like, how it functions. Um content that you put out there you know if for no other reason than to be helpful all of those right. things are what kind of make up a brand it's your reputation and how you make people feel more so than it's how it looks so talk a little bit about when you approach a brand project specifically like a brand change so Ooh. missoula federal credit union mm -hmm. some might know uh, rebranded to become clearwater that's a huge undertaking and so maybe to start, can you talk about where this, what, what the reasoning behind, like let's, let's re-examine our brand. Where does that stem from? Um, so I, for us, it started with, um, I had just been hired and I went into the interview process knowing that this was a conversation that was going to be having, mm. that we were gonna be having. Um, they had been granted an expansion. So um, Missoula Federal Credit Union started in 1956, obviously in Missoula. Um, and then we absorbed a couple other credit unions. They merged into us. And that's how we ended up out in Ravalli County and up into Lake County. So we had been serving three counties in Montana. 
Yeah. Um, and then we were granted an expansion to 20 counties. And with that came the question of how does Missoula work in these other communities? When we put a branch down in Stevensville, we got that question. Yeah. It's like, why is Missoula in, Ro- in Stevensville? Like, it's like 40 miles south, roughly. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think they don't even call it like they never called it really Missoula Federal Credit Union. Uh-huh. They just called it the credit union. <laughs> right. Um, because it felt weird on the tongue, even though a lot of people from the Bitterroot come up every day to Missoula to work or to play or to do whatever. Sure. And but so, they're from Stevensville. Exactly. So first they, they really just decided that they needed to reignite the question of do we need to change mm-hmm. this name in order to expand and serve more people successfully? Um, the other piece of that is that we are what's called a values-based banking institution uh, and that we are part of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, mm. uh, which is, I think there's like 56 uh, financial institutions worldwide, 11 in the U.S., three of which are credit unions, and we were the second to get invited to join. And part of that is that we subscribe to a triple bottom line and that um, by doing the right thing by the planet and doing the right thing by people, will prosper as a result. So we're very member-centric, very member-driven, and we really use our four internal core values to drive everything that we do. Mm-hmm. One of them is inclusion, and the idea that we all deserve a place to belong and to you know be banked and to be served and succeed financially. And it flew in the face of that to at least not ask the question of, and do we need a name that speaks to all of us, not just some of us? Yeah. So they started with the question first, and we contracted with a great agency that led us through a research phase. Mm-hmm. So at, for us, it started with not, hey, we want to change our name, so we need to find some research to support that. We first asked, like, do we even need to? If it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, if it's going to be a problem, let's look at it. Let's think very critically of what's in the best interest of all of our members. Um, we started that research, it was going really well, and then our expansion was retracted. Hmm. Um, on the local level, banks and credit unions, financial institutions are very um, familial, very positive towards each other. There's a lot of camaraderie and helping across institutions. Sure. At the national level, it maybe sometimes is a little bit more competitive, and so hmm. at a federal level, there was a lawsuit that said, oh, these rules for expansion are vague, you know, and so the NCUA, our regulatory agency, retracted that expansion. So it went from 20 counties. And so we're like, let's press pause and like right. focus on some other things. And then we were granted an expansion again, but to seven counties. And so we picked up that conversation again about, all right, now that we know expanding is a thing, yeah, let's, you know, finish the conversation. And ultimately what we found is we did focus groups. Um, we went out to the communities we were going to be. Um, we interviewed and sent surveys and we got like 4,000 responses from members. Um, We found everybody really liked Missoula. Hmm. No one had a problem with something headquartered in Missoula. Um, They love coming here for concerts. They love the shopping. They love everything this town has to offer. Even the Bozeman to Missoula, you know, connection, like, you know, we love being rivals, (laughs) right? you know, on on some things, but we still really, you know, everybody in Montana has each other's backs. They're rooting for each other to succeed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so no one had a problem with Missoula as a town, but they love their town. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of pride in, in where people live and where they work and ultimately where they want to bank. Um, Butte, 
uh, was one of the areas that um, the agency we ended up working with was actually kind of fell in love with and like we've never seen so much pride in a mm. town like these people just you know just right. very proud really excited to talk to us um, and so from that we really decided that you know we all are united in being Montana and we want to honor that place but that um, we want a name that worked for all of us spoke to all of us not just some of us and that this was an opportunity to also imbue some of our values into the brand. So after that research phase, then we set about like, how do we find that name? And that yeah. was a process that I think took probably five to six months in total. Wow. Um, of name, idea, generation. Um, we had members that we invited in that were also creative in some fashion that mm -hmm. helped us think through symbology of names um i think we generated like 500 some 500 some potential names oh yeah like the wall was just nothing but sticky notes this is sticky notes of all the potential names mm -hmm. and then what next how do you filter that down who makes that final decision oh man i'm sure there's not consensus um surprisingly there there was a lot of really good conversation and when really? we got down to that that part um it, it was unanimous, the decision we landed on. We were expecting wow. that, and, and that was part of the conversation, is do we just, is a majority good enough? Do we want to have you know, consensus across the board? And right. that was our hope. We wanted everyone to feel good about it. But um, we put together a committee that uh, comprised two board members. Um, and our board is elected by our members to serve members. So our CEO and the executives, they are beholden, and they report to a board mm -hmm. of members. So some of them were on this group. Um, we had a couple staff people that were voted by other staff people onto the group. And we did workshops internally with staff. We selected some members to come into that conversation. And then a few key staff like Jack, our CEO, mm -hmm. and Clint, um, our COO, and me, and another gentleman, Paul Herendine, um, who did a lot of the initial wrangling and coordinating of schedules and working with the agency. Um, we're all part of that group. So we generated the ideas, and then we would do workshops around them, too. Um, we were broken up into groups and, like, pick the name out of these ones, and then um, what would a billboard look like, and how would you do a brand message around that? And yeah. um, some of the names, like, you would hear the initial name, and you'd think, oh, that's terrible. And then someone would do some storytelling around it. I'm like, ooh, that could work. Oh, like, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So we It took some explanation, though. Mm -hmm. That first impression is so key. That you almost have to trust yeah. that gut instinct? I, th I think so. Yeah. Um, but it, we were able to kind of, you know, I think some of us were more won over at different points. Hmm. Um, when we finally kind of moved towards Clearwater, we had, I think, four, four or five different examples that we actually went through and vetted, um, like, five different names. And, like, let's do a logo. Let's do kind of a mock-up thing. Um, what would that look like? Yeah. And... Um, there were some great conversations around how even a name can hit you differently. Like there was right. one suggestion that, like, yeah, I totally. When I think of that, I I think of Montana, and I'm like, that's not a native plant species. Like, <laughs> right. Like that's gonna it's get. It's an invasive species. Yeah, I'm right. just like, let's not do that. Yeah. Um, we were fortunate. That's important to bring up. Yeah, like it, one of our members, we were fortunate that, um, you know, she's a Native American. And so there was, I think, um, Sweetgrass. We were like, oh, Sweetgrass mm -hmm. is an interesting name and has some interesting connotations with you know, Native American populations. Maybe we can do a story about basket weaving. I'm like, 
whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, they use that for smudging ceremonies. Like, because uh-huh. I used to work on campus, and I knew they had a whole policy around how Native American students can do that around the Payne uh, Native American Center. Sure. And we had one of our members uh, who was on the group, too. She was like, yeah, like, that's – don't use that name. Yep, so, stay away. So it was great to gut check, like – it was kind of like naming your child. Sure. Like, what's every possible way that someone might take this the wrong way or maybe make fun of us? Yeah, and you have to put it on the table mm-hmm. then because when it launches, I mean, how does it? How does a brand, <laughs> when you decided, okay, this is it? Yeah. Is there a soft launch? Is there, you know, was there a name that you soft tested and didn't work? And like, okay, we'll backtrack on that. No. It, but how does that? you just release to the world does a billboard go up and you guys cross your fingers no <laughs> like oh. how, what does that look like oh gosh no um so we actually watched several different examples of rebrands um yeah from other credit unions to like an nba basketball team um, and we saw some examples of like wow that went really really well let's make a note of this thing they did and mm-hmm. some other examples of like ooh, let's not do that um like <laughs> right. that you know super sucks um so the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers did some really fantastic storytelling around how they just it wasn't a name change but they refreshed the logo they changed the brand they changed the colors and the art major in me that that really resonated with me and that there's storytelling there's meaning there's intention right. and so that was imbued throughout the process yeah um, or some that didn't work some names no that you said, you know, we looked at some oh. studies that of branding that didn't work. And we saw, like, a, a credit union um, in, like, several states away that um, I think the name is fairly benign. Like, you know, yeah. some of them had, like, more abstract names uh-huh. that you're like, wow, that's kind of hard for me to wrap my arms around. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, but there was one example where it was a more abstract name, but they did some great storytelling around it. And one that was a little bit more of an abstract name, but... We would watch like on social media how people are like this name is terrible or like the logo is horrible or um a question is like why didn't anyone ask me yeah Um, sure the members mm -hmm. hey i'm a member here and i mean is there there's you know like some co-ops have voting rights and things like that does that i guess that's kind of in the weeds of how Oh, it's this, in the weeds. This all works, but does that come up and that's, okay, should we put this out to a vote? Oh, it does. It yeah. absolutely does. Um, we actually looked at our bylaws um, mm-hmm. to see, like, how did, like, is it written in there? What do we have to do? Um, if we were to do something, like, if we ever converted to a state charter, that 100% is a member vote. Um, but mm-hmm. according to our bylaws, we didn't have to do a member vote. Okay. Um, and we didn't have to survey members and invite them into the the brainstorming process um we didn't have to do any of that we opted Mm -hmm. to do that because it felt like the right thing to do and we wanted to do this with members and not to them yeah um we elected not to put it out to a vote um primarily because uh we serve seven counties and the vote comes at the member meeting which we do in june but we do it in Missoula. We do a physical meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, I think, rightfully so, um, some conversation around if we did a member vote, how would we do that so that everyone could vote, regardless of what county they happen to reside in and their ability to make the member meeting or not. Um, so it was just decided that if we did a good job of in, including members in the process, both from the elected board that are also members and bringing them into that creative process, that 
we would know enough to, to make sure that we're honoring the member experience um, without having to put it to a vote. Got it. So we intentionally included them in the process so that we felt better about not doing a vote. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's smart. That's a good move. Um, and it worked out really, really well. Um, but the bylaws are absolutely something to, to look at. Mm-hmm. And what we did, so once we got to a point where we decided and finally landed on a name and sort of a creative direction to then fine-tune, um, I think we decided in April. So if I started in February of 2018 and we kind of pressed pause around like May, picked it up again in like August, and at the time we were doing, we'd started remodeling the, or we're about to start remodeling the drive-through at Brook Street, mm-hmm. that building. Um, we had started, I'd started redesigning the website. Nice. Um, and we had started a year-long process of uh, working towards a core conversion, which is our banking core system. Okay. So think of upgrading the operating system on your computer. Yeah. Like everything that makes banking run, that whole system was 27 years old. Oh, wow. So, and that's a year-long project in and of itself. So. Yeah, so there's a lot of wheels and plates spinning. Yeah, n- not normal for a financial institution to right. take on four or five projects of that scale within one year, much less multiple years. Yeah, and you have some help. Like the, yes. you know, you mentioned this agency mm-hmm. out of Seattle. and um, I think they're out of Oakland. Oakland, okay. The one. Yeah. Um, you know, we were at the university together for, for some time, and mm-hmm. I swear I probably saw three sets of different consultants come through there, yep. each one walking away with, you know, a couple six-figure checks. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you think, well, what was really accomplished? I'm sure that story is not unique to us mm-hmm. or any university or, you know, frankly, any business out there that they've had these experiences. And, you know, the the staff that's been on, on for a while sort of begrudgingly walks into these meetings and gives their input and nothing happens. Well, this seems like things got done. Oh, super the opposite, yes. Yeah, so what were those experiences like and what did they do right? Um, well, I th- first and foremost, what I think we did right and that we still continue to do um, when we do projects like this is we put out an RFP mm-hmm. um, and you know we look for companies that are aligned with our values, but we also look very intentionally about the local market and mm-hmm. what local companies might also want an opportunity to apply. Um, we think pretty critically about how we can keep money in the local area and also about, like, there may be a company we really want to work with, but if the price tag, um, seem, you know, gives you a sticker shock, um, and you don't necessarily feel good about it, um, we have to think about that too. So it, it just worked out that the, the agency that could really check a lot of our boxes is a, was a certified B Corp out of Oakland. Nice. Um, but we also have great local partners that um, we were able to sort of bring in to that process. Uh, and what they did from the focus groups that they did out in the community and in the county, they also did that same stuff with our staff. A lot of our staff were kind of already on board with what they had done in, in 2017 with our shift to values-based banking. It was really just a reinforcement of how we already conducted business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so starting those conversations with them allowed them to have buy-in and be pretty positive about it. And everyone was pretty honest in that we, we were concerned about changing the name um, and how it would play with people. Um, but also, even when there's that sadness around it, like I had banked here since college. Yeah. Um, it had always been my, my credit union. I was like, oh man, like that's interesting to think about that changing. But 
like let's at least ask the question everyone felt pretty positive about the exploration so nothing about it was like forced down people's throat and we always gave even our staff um ways to funnel feedback to us yeah so i got stopped in the hallway multiple times like here's an idea or here's a name or here's an email where you can send it off anonymously to the agency and like without fear not that you'd have to where we work but if you want to send something without funneling it through one of the staff people like yeah here it is yep like everything was open and we really didn't put any limitations on it and through that process staff really helped us think of pain points Mm -hmm. um, and how can we minimize you know pain what even once we got to the decision where we wanted to pick a name you know what's every possible disruption that could happen for a member and how do we mitigate that and how do we generate an FAQ Um, but we actually had to keep a lot of it under wraps even from our own staff Mm -hmm. um, once we got to a certain point in the decision process so it was interesting finding a balance of how do we tell them that meetings are moving and that good momentum is happening but we can't tell you the name yet just because um, we really wanted members to hear about it from us first. Right. Uh, and we didn't want it kind of creeping out there uh, with and someone hearing it anecdotally. I'm like, oh, I hear Without you Without telling the story. Right. You know, and, and the questioning for, you know, the reasoning for why we're doing it, the research that's gone into it, and ultimately where we landed. So we waited until about, I think, two weeks prior to the member meeting. Like, we let staff know in April that we've made a decision. Yep. We're going to work towards fine-tuning it, and then we planned our own internal review. Um, We did a celebration with our staff to unveil it um, and had a whole reception at, um, oh, gosh, where is it in town? I'm totally blanking. The loft upstairs? No, I love the loft, but um, it's not adventure cycling. It's that bike place where you can build your own. Hmm, free cycle. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool. I had never been there because I live in Lolo. So you guys built bikes? No. Some people <laughs> may have after, though. <laughs> they may have stuck around and yeah. built a bike. Cool. I, I think Jack probably goes there with relative frequency. Oh, is that um, right? Yeah, he loves that place. Uh, nice. Um, but we you know, brought people there, and we're like, hey, an extra points if you commute on your bike. Yeah. Um, had a big reception, and then we did staff training. And so mm. we did a whole week of staff training with every single staff person, and that how do we talk about it? Um, how do we use it? What, if a member is unhappy, what do we do? And how do we you know, have dialogue around it? And if you're not comfortable, what do you do? And we put a lot of tools in place. Um, spent work from April to June, uh, June 19th, to prep for the member meeting, uh, to give our employees you know, tools to use, but also the annual report where we talked about it, did a whole presentation, did a whole video around it. Um, had an email that Jack, we sent out that night to members. Um, we sent a mailer to every single physical address of members that we had on record, so 50,000 plus people, saying this is why. We had a whole microsite walking them through, and we had mm-hmm. a mechanism for uh, members to give feedback even after. So in every branch, you could fill out a comment card, and every day our staff would scan those and send them in. Um, the contact form on the website went to me, Jack, and Clint. Mm-hmm. Um, and any response that came in, whether it was positive, negative, or neutral, got a response. Um, Jack must have called personally like 300 members maybe, um, some of which were happy about it, some of which, you know, I mean, some people ran the gamut of like, you know, feeling very raw and very gutted that, you know, this thing they loved was changing its name. Yeah. Um, and we had a spreadsheet where we tracked that, like, this is what came in. 
um, we've contacted this person. Maybe they're more positive. They've been moved to positive or maybe to negative still mm -hmm. or maybe neutral. Almost everyone was brought to a positive state about the name after wow. having dialogue. Um, our interactions on social media were pretty positive about it. There's always going to be that person that says, I didn't know or no one asked me. Um, right. And, you know, with 50,000 members, like, that's difficult. Like, But we used every channel at our dispos disposal to get the message out mm -hmm. um, and engaged with everyone that had a comment that wanted a response back. Wow. Um, so that was time-consuming, but I think absolutely necessary. Sounds like it. And what we did different than a few other rebrand processes we were monitoring is there's a few that changed their name and just flipped a switch. Like yeah. we announce it, it's done, your website's different. So, um, yeah, everything changes. Yeah, and we're like, ooh, uh, we wanted people to have a little more time to live with it, yeah. to get comfortable with it, for us to further engage with our members to have dialogue about it. Um, also, because we had this sort of veil of secrecy, there were a lot of things that take longer to move. <laughs> right. So signage is not a fast process. <laughs> of course. Um, changing plastics on credit cards is not a fast process. Oh, interesting. Um, so we, we needed a little bit more time to get some stuff done and then really think about, like, what does our reintroduction to the community look like? So we had about two and a half months to really change almost everything over. Um, wow. Every vendor relationship had to be contacted. Yep. Um, trademarking is a long process mm -hmm. um, at the federal level. <laughs> um, it's really fun. I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure it is riveting. Yeah. Yes. So to, to change in two and a half months is not a lot of time. Um, so knowing that my, my team, and there's three of us, um, mm -hmm. we started building a spreadsheet pretty much like a year, maybe a little bit more than a year out of like every brochure, every pen, every random sign on a wow. little league field. Like our name is still on a rock somewhere apparently at the base of the M trail. Like I'm- like, How do we find that rock? Yep. Yeah, right. I mean, there's a lot- That's a lot. A lot to hunt down. Yep. Um, that but, you even try to take inventory before, then you say, okay. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's like, hey, don't treat this stuff like contraband if you see it. You know, hey, let's just, it's not, uh, right. we don't have to, you know, bury that rock. Well, and some of the small things were actually some of the more interesting pain points, like pens. Hmm. Um, man, people really love their pens. Like, people don't want to get rid of their pens. They don't. And, like, we have this flavor, everyone, like, staff, too. Like, we love how it writes. It's, like, it's so nice. Uh -huh. And my big thing with it is, like, for as many pens as we use, like, can't we find, like, an eco-friendly version, like, is this recycled plastic? I don't yeah. know. Right. Um, so I was honestly the most nervous about changing pens on people. Um, and sometimes that can disrupt. Like they, okay, I've got control of this pen, and now they're taking it away from me. It's uh, Well, and there's little things you don't think of, too. Like um, the ink in the pen is black, whereas the previous one it was blue. Mm -hmm. And so someone's like, yeah, the pen's great, but, like, are we going to get blue ink ones? Like, because mm. I need it for this document. I'm like, we'll work on that. Um, yeah, we, okay, that's the next half of my day is figuring out how to get black into the ink. Yeah, like yeah. it's actually our, what I was mentioning earlier, our, our fun little eco fail. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think I might actually do a post about it because um, we've thought a lot about our environmental impact. We have a whole environmental assessment, and the gentleman, Paul, um, who wrote that for us, 
I've talked to him multiple times about like, man, we use a lot of pens. Like, is this a bad? He's like, well, it's, you know, it's really a drop in the bucket. I'm like, we should still find a better option. Mm-hmm. And so we did. Um, and though the ink is not blue, um, we're working on getting all the inventory that we ordered in-house. And we had to do, um, well, we had to ask for like an expedited order. Mm-hmm. And it's a substantial amount of pens, but we're like, let's stock branches for a while. Let's, you know, just get it here. Bulk order. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, before we switch vendors, because I have found a blue ink one that okay. I'm going to do. Phew. Good. And they showed up, and someone just the other day brought this little box in, and I think I was on a call, so they gave it to one of my employees. And all these pens are individually wrapped in plastic. Oh, no. I'm like, what? Every single pen? Yeah. I'm like, that's weird. Like, the first batch did not come that way. Like, what is going on? So, like, I had to ask my employer, I'm like, will you reach out to them and ask, like, what, how this yeah. happened? Like, Am I the only one that appreciates the irony of an eco-friendly pen wrapped, wrapped in, in plastic, plastic with styrofoam wrapping around? No, no thank, yeah. thank goodness. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and we figured out why, because it was expedited. And so, like, it comes from one area and then usually goes to this place where they print it um, and they would take the plastic off then and then box it up to us. But yeah. they changed the process because we had to expedite it. And so where they came from initially, they were printed on site and then that place just likes to individually wrap them i'm Unbelievable. like so but these are the things that you're like man like now we know that we have to think about that and right. part of you know our brand and being a values-based institution is like how do we like own that like wow that's kind of like a fail yeah honestly, we messed that, up and we're gonna do better next time yeah it's like great we got this eco-friendly pen i don't know if the plastic's for spot recyclable i guess now we got to look into that um, but let's be honest with people about it. Like when you're ordering this kind of stuff, like these are the things you don't think about. Right. No, who would? But had we not done that and had to expedite that order, we would have never known the previous order also had plastic on it. Right. It just was removed before it got to us. Which so, is, yeah, this thing in the supply chain where you're like, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't make it eco-friendly right. at all. Hardly. And we're trying to report on our impact. So we would have you know, had we not known that, like, oh, we think we're doing this great thing, but we don't know, like, down the line, there's this other problem. So right. it's really been a great opportunity for us to think about everything we're sourcing, like, how are we keeping business local, but also, you know, buying smart products from values-aligned places. Um, we were able to find a vendor, you know, we needed new tents and canopies for, like, events and stuff, and yeah. found this great vendor from i want to say michigan and it's veteran owned made in the usa and like quality so like if i send it to some event with a staff person and it comes back busted i just ship it back and they fix it and we're like man worth it to pay a little bit more to know a little bit more about how it's made and where it came from and know that i can talk to a member and that it's totally values aligned how we spent that money right i mean it's been great a great exercise in values-based marketing along with values-based banking. That's amazing. Um, That's a great story. It's just cool to see. Right. Who would ever think from it? Yep. Well, thanks for sharing that one because usually it's like, here's our next win and here's it, but here's one where, Hey, we got to get better. So I mean, it's such a dumb fail, you know, but individually wrapped pens, who would ever think that's a thing? I feel Um, real bad for the people that have to stock our pens. That's right. Um, Gwen, this has been, really cool i think you know we could probably talk for another hour uh we both have things to do here on this friday (laughs) before holiday break um but sort of 
a, a, a leaving question for our listeners. What piece of advice would you have for somebody that is interested in branding, mm. just getting started, and they're thinking, you know, what piece of advice would you have for me, uh, whether it's maybe a book or a podcast that you listen to or any brand that you look at to, say, seek inspiration from? Ooh, um, it's funny because I was, I was thinking about it since our last conversation, and I can't even remember the last time I had time to read a book. <laughs> right. I've downloaded several. You've got them on your phone, ready to go. Yep. Um, and honestly, I I hate the idea of just reading a marketing book. Mm. Like, if you want to get out and do this, like, it's great to look around at what other people are doing, but the best way to really learn is by doing. I don't think you can learn everything you need to do by reading a book. And just one example of how one person's done something doesn't may not necessarily work for you. Yeah. Um, so I would say actually don't bury your head in books. Read, digest content, but um, it could be by way of a podcast. Um, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh yeah, Gary, Gary v. v. Right. Okay. Um, and people love him, hate him, like whatever. He's got good content. His message is always like, hey, like you've got hours to work. Like let's work and produce right. content. Kick it out. Yeah. yeah um, he actually spoke at a conference I went to um for financial it's called financial brand forum it's for like banks and credit unions uh it was huge it's like three thousand some odd people oh wow um but i loved how like he was just so blunt i love that he swore to yeah, like i right. mean he's just very like meh it's like i'm not gonna sugarcoat it like right you this know, is there's, the real world well and he he spoke a lot about don't just do it because you've always done it and mm -hmm. i think that's the big takeaway for anyone doing brand or marketing like just because it's scary doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Um, you should ask questions. You should feel compelled to try. Um, not everything is going to go 100%. Like, our rebrand went really, really well. So well, it, I honestly still can't believe it. Like, I'm just always yeah. prepared for something to go sideways. To surface, like, you spelled Clearwater wrong. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. Like, I'm a plan <laughs> A, B, and C person. But yeah. You know, get out there, try, learn from your mistakes. Don't punish yourself for mistakes. Think proactively about how you can, like, not marginalize anyone or not tokenize anyone um, to maybe avoid some of those, you know, missteps. But try. Just dive in. Yeah. Just do it. And if you are any sort of person who enjoys people, enjoys understanding what resonates with people, I think that's the most important ingredient. Like if you get too far removed from the people you're trying to serve, I think that's where you lose something. Um, get out there and actually talk to people. Yeah, that's some great advice to take home. Um, Gwen, thank you again for coming in. This is this is a, a truly a pleasure. I am so nervous <laughs> to see this video. It's gonna be great. You rocked it. Okay, Thanks. thank you.